they have to make on today. It's preaching time. So would you inform them through your word what your spirit has to say for the direction of their lives? And then God, if you'll give me preaching power and preaching permission, then preaching will be done. And in the end thereof, we'll be mindful, sir, to give you all the honor, to give you all the glory, and to give you all the praise. We thank you for it now. It's in the name of Jesus the Christ that everyone said amen, amen. and amen. While you're standing, while you're standing, if you will open your Bibles with me to the gospel according to Luke, the gospel according to Luke chapter 13. Grace and joy to you, family, to our beloved family online. Thank you for being here. I love you, love you, love you. We miss you today. It's a beautiful day to be in the outdoor sanctuary. The brothers are doing a marvelous job in worship and leadership. Thank you so much, my brothers. I want to apologize to y'all. I got y'all dates mixed up. I told y'all y'all wasn't up today, but y'all called an audible and figured it out. Amen. So I think they said the quarterback meant go left. Amen. <laughs> but thank you, brother, so much. I'm glad you know the play. Amen. You know the play. Every now and then we get it wrong. We're so grateful for men who know the play. St. Luke chapter 13, if you got it, say amen. Verse 22, verse 22. And he went through the cities and the villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there a few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to say or to stand rather outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you or where you are from. And then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. And we taught, or rather you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you or where you are from. Depart from me all you workers of iniquity. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves are thrust out. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and they will sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first, and there are first who will be last. And all God's children said, Amen, amen. and amen. amen. I'm going to tag this message today The Savior, 
the sinner and the sentence. The Savior, the sinner, and the sentence. Beloved, there are some passages in Scripture that ought to jar the believer when they hear them read. There are some passages that shake us and move us to do soul-searching reflection. In fact, they make us ask the question, am I for real? Am I going to make it in? Am I really doing what the Lord has asked of me? Am I serious about my faith, my walk, and my relationship with God? In fact, am I truly committed to Jesus Christ and his word? Or am I shaking and faking? These type of questions, they occur in the life of the believer who is really sincere and who understands the severity of sin and eternal separation from the Savior. Today's text, New Beginnings, is such a challenge. You see, it was after the message of Jesus. He had just preached and taught the disciples to watch out for the religious behavior of the Pharisees. And after dealing with the disciples about the pseudo-believers of the Pharisees, one of the disciples asked that question, well then, Lord, who is really going to be saved? And what a question. What a point of reflection. You see, they asked this question right after Jesus finished preaching about the parables. And, and I like that they asked the question because they really want to know if these religious people ain't got it together then who then is going to make it in? And that's what I want to address this morning. Who really is going to make it in? My question to you is, are you really saved? Are you really a Christian? I mean, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Or are you just wasting your time? And the reason why I want to address this today is because I want to challenge us to know new beginnings. I want you to know for sure that you are saved and you have eternal life in Jesus Christ. There are three points I got for us today, beloved. I'm going to talk about number one, the secret of the saved. Number two, the saying of the sinners. And number three, the sights of the sinners. I'll unpack this as we go. Number one, let's look at the secret of the saved. In verses 22 through 25, we find these words. And he went through the cities and the villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few? Who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, are going to seek to enter in 
but they will not be able. And when once the master of the house has risen and he shut that door, they're going to begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he's going to answer and say to them, I don't know you or I don't, and I don't know where you from. Can I unpack this right here? Beloved, when we arrive at this portion of our lesson, we see Jesus making his journey through all the villages, teaching and preaching as he's heading toward the cross. And it's on this journey that the disciples are beginning to see the difference between what a true follower of God is and a pseudo follower of God is. And as a result of what they are hearing and what they are seeing, they ask this question, Lord, are there only a few that are going to be saved? The second thing I see in this verse is that Jesus begins to explain the secret to the saved. In other words, what you see here is an intimate conversation between true believers and the Savior. You see, the true believer has, Lady Wilson, access to God. And they have access to information that only the true believer has. See, the secret of the saved is this. They can know exactly what God is thinking and what God has said. And they can know how they ought to carry out his word. The secret of the saved is that God wants them to know his will, and to know his ways. The secret of the saved is that God longs to have a personal, intimate relationship with you. And that's why it's paramount that you walk with him. You talk with him, just like the disciples were doing in this passage. The reason why he's telling this is because the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not have what the disciples had. They had a religious experience. They had a religious encounter. But guess what? They didn't have a personal relationship. So when you come to verse 24 and 25, the first thing Jesus says to the disciples that ask the question is strive. To enter through the narrow gate. Yeah. For many. Somebody say many. They're going to say. All right, he says many I say to you. They're going to seek Reverend Tom. To enter in. But they will not. Be able. One of my friends in my library. Brother Freddie. He suggests here. That the word strive. As a verb in the Greek is akin to the definition to agonize. In other words, it's the word picture of the athlete who is agonizing to reach the goal that they have been committed to in their event. Uh, 
boxer agonizing to win the fight. It's the runner agonizing to cross the line first. It's the wrestler agonizing to pin down the opponent. Are you with me here? Jesus says strive. Somebody holler strive. Now let me help somebody here just in case you think he's talking about you working to be saved. He's not talking about you working to be saved. You can't work for your salvation. You are saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. So what is Jesus talking about then, Pastor? He is simply telling the disciples that we are to agonize, we are to strive in our workouts, in our relationship with God. Can I help somebody? Listen, I'm married to the finest woman in the world. And guess what I do in our love relationship? I strive, BJ, to make her want me more. Y'all missed it here? I got her at the altar when I put the ring on it. Come on, talk to me. Oh, yes, I did. But in my striving with her, I make sure she got a roof over her head. I make sure she got food on the table. I make sure she got something pretty to wear. I make sure she don't have to have no stress in this life, Cliff. I'm striving to make real my covenant relationship with her. Come on in here. And so it is with God. I ain't just talking about Christianity. I'm striving to live out this thing. You say, why? Because I want him to know how much I love him. How much I appreciate him. BJ, that's why I give like I give. That's why I do like I do. That's why I go like I go. That's why I work till I drop. Because I'm striving to let him know how much I love him. Anybody striving out here today? Anybody say, Pastor, strive on. When you come to this portion of the text, not only does Jesus tell them to strive to make it in, but look what else he said. And this arrested me, Brother Johnny. He said... Because there's going to be many, many people who will not be able to. You should underline that phrase. Because Reverend White, in other words, they won't be able to, not because they didn't have access. Not because they didn't have an opportunity. Not because they didn't have privilege ability or a chance to but they're not going to be able to make it in because they didn't want to they didn't want to what they didn't want to strive huh y'all hear me what a tragedy what a disappointment what a wasted life you said you loved him but you weren't willing to strive because of that love and what we look at in this text is again, Jesus not talking about working to be saved. He's talking about the evidence of your love relationship with him. The Pharisees said, I love God. But they weren't striving in their relationship to manifest that love. Y'all in here with me? Jesus is talking about agonizing in your covenant commitment with him. And then, if that wasn't enough, what he does, Montre, is he gives them an illustration. 
to prove what he means about striving. In verse 25, the Bible says that he told them this mini parable. He said, when once the master of the house has risen up and Lady Zunaga daughter, he shuts the door. They're going to begin to stand outside, daughter, and they're going to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And the master of the house is going to say, I do not know you. Or do I know where you're from? Can I unpack that for you? Jesus in this parable is illustrating the importance of striving to be on the inside of the master's house. He says, and those, when they come inside, and everybody who's supposed to be inside is inside, the master's going to rise up. And when the house is full, he's then, yeah, going to shut the door. And those who have not made it in, who were not willing to strive, watch this now, going to begin to knock and bang. I like that South Central word, bang on the door. And he's going to answer them and say, I don't know you or I don't know where you're from. In other words, Reverend Nichols, the master can't identify them. Oh, come on. I don't know your voice. I don't know your face. I don't even know where y'all from. He can't identify those who want to come in. Why? They're not in relationship to him. He doesn't recognize their faces, jazz, their voices, or their appearances. Why? He don't have a relationship with them. Here it is. Beloved, those Pharisees, they didn't know Jesus when he came in the flesh. And as a result of not knowing him, they refused to have a relationship with him. So guess what I found out, Dina, in this text? It's not about you being religious, baby. It's not about you keeping all the rules. It's not about you having a form of godliness. It ain't even about you coming to church in the parking lot. The question is, do you know him? Do you have a personal, intimate relationship with him? It's not about what you do for God. It's about are you connected to God? Here it is. Let me say it this way. It's, it's equivalent to having, yeah, an invite to the invitation only party. Only those with a relationship are going to be invited in the master's house. Only those who are known by the master, Lady Cooley, are going to be invited in. And when Jesus reveals the secret of the kingdom to the disciples, he's opening up this intimate knowledge, this secret with them. And they get this, watch this now, 
Because they've been walking with him, Cliff. They've been with him now for two years. They've been talking with him. They've been spending time with him. How many of you know that's how the relationship works? Huh? Huh? It's when you spend time with somebody. When you walk with them. When you talk with them. It ain't you just hanging around and saying hi. You've got a relationship. And here's the application. And maybe I lost my online crowd. But there's a whole lot of people who want to go to heaven. But they ain't going to make it in. There's a whole lot of people say that want the benefits that only God can give, but they're not going to make it in. There's a whole lot of people, daughter Charlene, that want to experience God in the next life, but they won't inherit the kingdom because they don't have a relationship with him. They know about him. They know he said a lot of cool stuff. They may even came to a service or two. But that don't qualify having a relationship with God. Here it is. They had opportunity, but they don't have relationship. They had access, but they don't have relationship. Brother Mel, they had good biblical teaching, but no relationship. They heard some good sermons, but no relationship. They had a number of years on earth to make it right, but no relationship. Ah, Reverend McBee, they had seminaries, Bible classes, institutes, commentaries, teachers, conferences, life groups, small groups, cell groups, college groups, but no relationship. They had a religious experience. But what they lacked was an authentic relationship with God. What they lacked, Sister Wilson, was a real love for God and a passion to live for him, serve him, obey him, and the will to follow him. I love what my bride often said. We're so confused, Pastor. She said, we think heaven is for people that don't like God. Heaven is for people that love God. Y'all didn't hear me. Ain't going to be nobody in heaven that just barely made it in. No, you don't barely make it in. When you get there, you want to be there. Am I talking to somebody? What a tragedy. They weren't willing to count the cost. They weren't willing to strive for the relationship. I was talking to my brother one time. My flesh and blood brother, we was talking about one of my other siblings, how his woman was cheating on him. And he was doing everything he could to try to save the relationship. And my brother said to me in a nonchalant way, shoot, I ain't into trying to keep nobody that don't want to be kept. And I took that away for a sermon analogy. Guess what? God ain't into you trying to date him and you don't want him. Can I say some more? Disciples in this passage get to know the secret of entering into the kingdom. It's relationship. A few years ago, Reverend Tong, when I was at the university, my staff and I decided we would do a retreat to refresh, renew, restore our excitement about our call. So we put our money together, Reverend Billings, and we got tickets to go down to the Dodger game. 
only got our tickets, but our t-shirts jumped on the road. And down to Los Angeles, we begin to talk about stats and players and coaching strategy and identifying cars that's all going to the same game. You know, Dodger fans are unique. We can spot each other a mile, million miles away. We got to the stadium and I noticed all the cars and the bumper stickers and the jerseys and the horns and then people started getting in line. There was a narrow gate to get into the game. The closer I got, Sister McBee, between getting in the gate, I started noticing everybody were fans, but there was two type of fans. There were some who had tickets. And there was some who didn't. And they was running around on the outside of the stadium at the last minute trying to figure out how I'm going to get in. Y'all in here? You know what else I noticed? Nobody in line was giving up their tickets. You see, true fans get your ticket in advance. Why? Because when it's game time, it's game time. And you ain't running around at the last minute trying to get into the stadium. Can, can, I, can I walk right here? You know what else I noticed? It was a narrow gate. The gate wasn't wide so anybody could just walk in. No, if you love the Dodgers, you got your ticket in advance. You got dressed for the occasion. And you got in the narrow line. Are y'all up in here? Guess what? I went in and had a good time. We won the game. And guess what? Those on the outside have been left behind. Those on the outside couldn't get on the inside. All I'm trying to tell you is heaven's going to be like that. Everybody talking ain't going. Everybody with a jersey ain't on the team. Are y'all listening here? You got to get your ticket now. You you can't get it areas at the ninth inning trying to make it in. Well, we've looked uh, at the secret to the saying. Let me show you now the saying of the sinner. Verse 26. Jesus says he didn't know him, depart from him. He says they're going to say to him, but master, we ate and we drank in your presence and you taught us in our streets but he gonna say to them I tell you I do not know you I don't even know where y'all from depart from me you workers of iniquity y'all still here I guess you ain't too mad can I work Beloved, when we come to this next portion of the text, Lady White, we get to see what I call is the saying of the sinners at the master's house. See, because the master has rejected them and has not allowed them to enter, the text says they begin to bang on the door. And they make this statement. Look at what they said. You know us. We ate with you. We drank in your presence. And you taught us in your streets. Brother Ed, here we get to see the unbeliever 
trying to prove to the master that he had a relationship with them. And the relationship they thought was enough for them to come inside of the master's house. Here it is. They had Charlene, what I call was a pseudo fellowship. Fake, phony, right? They weren't for real. Uh, daughter Vanessa, they weren't for real. They say, we had a meal with you. In other words, we came to the social dinner at the church. In other words, we attended service in the parking lot. We watched you online. We were present at all of your harvest festivals. Uh, they trying their best to get in. But secondly, we see in the text, Jesus reaffirms what he already said. I said, I don't know you. Here it is. Eating with me and coming to my Bible study don't mean I know you. Or that I have a relationship with you. Can y'all hear me out there? Just because you came to the event. Or just because you attended Sunday school. The life group. The Bible study. The Easter service. I said it. In the parking lot. It don't mean I got a relationship with you. Just because you said a few words. To invite me in your life don't mean I got a relationship with you. Jesus says the reason why I don't have a relationship with you. Watch this now. He said depart from me you workers of iniquity. Uh oh. Those two words define why they don't make it in. They don't have a relationship with him because they, here it is Tom, different kind of workers. Huh? Can I get an amen through there? Amen. In other words, you were working, but it wasn't for my kingdom. You was working for another kingdom. See, disciples are workers of righteousness, not workers of iniquity. I just dropped something right there. Disciples are workers of the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of darkness. Yeah, yeah. Disciples are people of the light. Not people of the night. Disciples are salty people. Not saltless people. So he says depart from me. You workers of iniquity. Daughter Sandy good to see you. The word iniquity daughter is defined as what we call immoral. Or gross behavior. Y'all catch it? It's the opposite of what the question is called for us to live like and to demonstrate as believers of Christ. So don't be impressed because somebody got a title like reverend or deacon or they lead the song in the parking lot. Come on, talk to me. Don't be impressed because they're usher at the door. Or they've been in church forever. They can still be an undercover worker of iniquity. That's why he said many going to say to him. Lord, Lord. 
We ate with you. <laughs> I took communion. I drank with you. You taught us in your streets. He's going to say, I don't know you or do I know where you're from? Can I say some more? There will be no workers of iniquity in heaven. There will be no kingdom of darkness in heaven. I don't care if your daddy was the preacher. If your grandpa was the preacher. If your grandma was the mother of the church. That don't mean you got a relationship. Back in the day, Reverend McBee. Before I was a Christian, some of my homeboys and I heard about a party in another neighborhood. So we jumped in my 65 Chevy, Brother Cliff, and we called ourselves going to the party in this other neighborhood. I knew the girl's house that the party was, and the girl knew me. I showed up with my crew, uh, Lady Bowdry, and when I came to the door, her daddy was at the door. And I said, yeah, I'm here for so-and-so. She invited me to the party. He pulled out a piece of paper. What's your name? Told him my name. He said, uh, you ain't on this list. And I said, well, if you just get her, she know me. This is Andy. We go to school together. He called her to the door. She said, yeah, that's Andy. He said, but he ain't on my list. And who are these other people you with? He said, I tell you what, son, y'all can party, but not at this one. You see, that daddy understood that even though I knew the name of the daughter, I didn't have a relationship with the father. He also understood I was a worker of iniquity. Because I was a thug with the best of them. Are y'all in here? The drive-by shooter himself. Low down move from the Raymond Avenue Crips. He knew me. He could size me up. I don't know your name and I don't know where you from. Depart from here. Y'all in here now? I said, are y'all in here? There's a whole lot of people dressed up like you know God. But God see your costume. He see what you parade like Sunday through Saturday. He already know. He don't know you. And he don't have a personal intimate relationship with you. I thought I would share that with you, beloved. Let me get out of here. Let me get out of here. We've looked at the secret of the saved. We've looked at the saying of the sinners. Brother Sean, let me show you now the sights of the sinners. The Bible says in verse 28, after Jesus says that or the master of the house says that to these sinners, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And they will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all, somebody say all. All the prophets in the kingdom of God. And they're going to see themselves thrust out. And then he goes on to say some more what they're going to see. 
They're going to see people coming from the east, the west, the north, and the south. And they're going to see them come and sit down in the kingdom of God. Let me show you what they're going to see. The Bible says, when we come to this portion of the story, three things are happening. They get to see the imagery of sad, sorrowful sinners. And they see them crying and gnashing their teeth because they were unbelievers who were not led into the master's house. See, according to Jesus on that day, people going to see a horrible situation. They're going to want to come in, but it's going to be too late. They're going to want to have access, Lady Billings, but it's too late, daughter. They're going to be able, watch this now, this really got me, to recognize everybody else, but they themselves won't be able to make it in. I believe he's talking to the Pharisees here. He said, they're going to see the old saints. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But it's too late for them. Finally, they're going to see that there is somebody from everywhere, the north, south, east, and west, that come into the kingdom. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. But it's too late for them. They're going to see it wasn't about a Pharisee thing. A Sadducee thing. Here it is. A Hebrew thing. A Jewish thing. A white thing. A black thing. A brown thing. A red thing. It's a kingdom thing. And they're going to see because of their traditions, their rules and regulations and their religions. They didn't have a relationship with him. And a relationship was what is required to enter into the kingdom. I'm almost through, but this passage, it gives us a look at what the sinner is going to see. After rejecting Jesus and failing to follow him as a disciple, what a nightmare for all of eternity. They won't make it in. Beloved, can't you see them knocking and banging on the door? Recognizing others at the door, but they themselves are not recognized? They will see themselves, Brother Roy, not being invited in. They're going to see themselves with no relationship with the Savior. They will see themselves Weeping and gnashing at the teeth. There's going to be great sorrow in that day. I got to leave you now. But there's one more verse. Verse 30. That arrested me. Verse 30 says. And indeed. There are. The last. Who will be first. And the first who will be last. Can I say something right there, Jazz? I couldn't help but notice in this verse, beloved, that heaven 
don't recognize status on earth. Huh? While we playing classism, hybrids, putting people with status above other people, that ain't recognized in heaven. Y'all in here now? Okay, let me say it another way so y'all can get it. Just because I'm a pastor don't mean nothing to the kingdom. I don't get no pastor points when I get in. I lost somebody. I lost somebody who said I would work, but that's too much stress. No, you don't get no extra points because you have some status in the church on earth. Or because you did that or you did that. God ain't playing no favorites. He ain't like your mama, your daddy, or your high school teacher. In other words, I like this text right here. Those who were last on earth going to be first in heaven. People who were rejected on earth going to get promotion in heaven. People who were the underclass on earth going to be the upper class in heaven. In other words, the poor people who had to struggle on earth, who everybody drove by when they was on the side of the road, will work for food. I like to put it this way, Brother Johnny. If you thought yourself better than somebody down here, you may be last up there if you even make it in. What a change. What a shift in paradigm. What a look for the kingdom of God. It's almost better, brothers and sisters, to be poor, to be rejected, and to be second class on earth than to be rich and pompous and pious and stingy and selfish and make it in. I'm talking, I'm talking to the safe, soft Christians who got enough for everybody to live on. You got a relationship with him, but it ain't much. It ain't, y'all, it ain't much. You got a relationship with him, but you ain't got none with nobody else. Yeah, I know this was going to be one of them sermons, so let me land the plane. Reverend Tom, start the car. Come on, get this mic from me, son. Give my invitation. I got to leave you now. But can I tell you, it's better to be hated here by the world and be invited there by the master. It's better to be a disciple here on earth and rejected by men so you can be a disciple in the kingdom. And accepted by God. In my study I was reminded of a story. And I'll tell you and let it, let it go. But I'll never forget this day. Brother Widow. One of the worst days of my life. As a young African American boy. Lost in sin. I committed a crime. When I was 16. And I heard a whole lot of people. Brother Aris. In a drive by shooting. And I'll never forget, I was guilty as all get out. It was the day of my sentencing. And you know what? I thought the world turned on me. My mama took the stand against me. My victims took the stand against me. The state of California took the stand against me. The law of California took the stand against me. And when I cried out 
for mercy, justice, and grace, none of them would testify for me. In fact, the consequences of my sin took the stand against me. And when the judge looked at me and cast the sentence, I knew I had been isolated, I had been separated, but I deserved everything I had come. So while these people in the parable are crying out, Lord, Lord, we ate with you, we drank with you, we heard you, they're going to also know that they really didn't know him. That sight has been burned in my mind. And I'm through preaching here. But my heart is heavy as a pastor. Because I know somebody looking at me today. You too going to face a day of separation like that. My story is going to be your story. Except you won't have a second chance to make things right on earth. It'll be too late for you. In fact, you looking at me, you so bad and arrogant, I get it. You already said you ain't, you know, you don't have to become no disciple to make it into heaven. What about the thief on the cross? You ain't the thief on the cross. You've already said you ain't going to change your lifestyle. God's going to have to accept me like I am. Fool. Then go on with your bad self. You've already said, can't nobody preach to me but so many of these kind of preachers. Fool. They trying to warn you. Somebody has already said that it don't take all that to surrender your life to God. You already said that what God gave you is enough and you ain't going to do no more. My heart breaks for you because Jesus paid it all all to him you owe he paid it all to redeem you from hell and eternal separation from the father that's why Calvary was so bloody he became the lamb of God who took your place on the all rugged cross to die for your sins why because the wages of your sin was death but the gift of God was eternal life and that's why he died that's why he was buried that's why he went in a borrowed tomb to take the sting away from death and God the father raised him back to life early Sunday morning and now he sits as an intercessor for you praying that you would get it right. Amen. Beloved, why go to, to hell from the church? Why play the role of a hypocrite? Fake it like you got a relationship with God when really what you got is a religious practice. I want to challenge you today. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. How do I be about it, Pastor? By having a real, authentic relationship. I told you about my relationship with my queen. I strive so she can know I love her. It's more than a few words I said at the altar 30 years ago. 
My life demonstrates I'm in love with her. Can I draw the bridge now? My life and my love with God demonstrates that I love him. And that's why Jesus was telling this story to the disciples because the Pharisees had a public statement about what they believed. But behind closed doors, they were something else. Where are you today? What's your public walk like? What's your personal profession like? Do you know him today? I'm through. My heart is so full. My heart is so full. But can I tell you, I'm through. I'm through with public proclamation that's playing. You ain't serious about God. You serious about you. Where are you at today? Is your relationship authentic? Does he know you by name? All heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to pray. And then I want you to make a decision today. About your walk with God. Our Father and our God. We come to you this morning. After hearing the thoughts of this text. And our prayer today is for every listener online and on land. That God, the conviction of your spirit might draw us into that deep, intimate, personal space. Where we truly identify as being your disciples. Would you breathe on us now? It's decision time. In Jesus' name we pray. While all heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here today and you have a personal, intimate relationship with God, nobody's looking at you, you're not looking at them, would you, would you help me? Would you just lift your hand if you say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I love him with all my heart. I want to see your hand. I want to see your hand. I know him with all my heart. I know him with all my heart. Thank you. You can put your hands down. If you're here today and you did not raise your hand, this is the time of recommitment. And I'm so glad you're here. If you want to give your life to God afresh, anew, recommitting in your covenant love and relationship, simply pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord, I'm sorry. I have not had a relationship with you that was real come into my heart change me save me regenerate my heart my life my mind I want to know you as a disciple I want to make it in in Jesus name thank you Lord for saving me in your name I pray amen beloved if that's you you're here today thank you you prayed that prayer I want to say this to you 
there is fruits to discipleship. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a follower. A disciple is a truly committed, loving follower of Jesus Christ. And if that's you, I want you to join me this Wednesday night in Bible study online and learn more about what a disciple is. And we want to get you going in your walk, in your relationship with Christ. This is so critical to your loving relationship with God. And all God's people said amen and amen. Would you stand with me as we get ready to dismiss you? God has smiled on me. Thank you, Reverend.